This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell and I'm with you for the next half an hour or so. It's Saturday, December 21st, the shortest day of the year, four days before Christmas, and it's the last Bottom Line business programme on KCLR for 2019. So today's programme is all about looking back over 2019 and looking forward to the new year 2020. Later, I'll be talking to accountant Alan Seary about how he's seen the last year and asking him to look forward. I'll also be talking to Brian O'Farrell of Carlo Chamber about how things have gone for him and the Chamber over the last 12 months. But first, before we came on air, I caught up with economist Jim Power to get an overview of the last 12 months in the global economy and to ask him to look ahead to 2020. I began by asking him what his overall impressions of 2019 were. Well, at a global level, um, 2019 was definitely characterised by pretty subdued level of global growth. We saw economic activity almost everywhere slow down quite significantly. Uh, The Chinese economy lost momentum. The US economy lost momentum. Uh, Brexit obviously had more of an impact on the UK. And I suppose of most concern at a global level was the fact that the Eurozone economy lost an awful lot of momentum. And Germany um, end of the year, you know, teetering on the brink of recession, as did Italy. So, uh, you know, that that was definitely my overriding sense of last, of 2019. Uh, it was a year of slower global growth. And in fact, the International Monetary Fund recently suggested that growth in 2019 would be the lowest um, since 2007-2008. Um, another feature of the landscape was undoubtedly the lack of any inflationary pressure. Inflation everywhere remained very, very subdued. And as a consequence of that, you know, we saw the European Central Bank maintain a zero interest rate policy, which was obviously good for Ireland. Uh, We saw at the end of the year quantitative easing commencing again, having ended at the end of last year. And we also saw the US Central Bank cut interest rates three times between July and November. So that interest rate environment reflected the slowdown in global growth and the lack of inflation. And I think at a global level, you know, there were two big issues. One was Brexit, uh, which clearly the impact was felt in Ireland, the United Kingdom, and some of the Northern European economies like the Netherlands, France, and Germany. Uh, But I think by far the biggest global issue was Donald Trump and his ongoing trade dispute with China. We saw tit-for-tat trade tariffs being put in place. So that had a huge impact on China and the United States. But I think at a global level, it also did damage business and economic confidence because global free trade has been the mantra for decades at this stage. So that came under significant threat during 2019. So in in a nutshell, John, it was a year of um, globally subdued growth Um, total lack of inflation and I think a lot of geopolitical tensions largely emanating from Donald Trump. Yeah and uh, just on the inflation issue first we we tend to think of that as a negative but a a bit of inflation is necessary really to grow economies. Oh yeah I mean I I suppose when I 
studied economics many decades ago at this stage, you know, inflation was always put up there as the enemy of central banks. Well, at the, over the last few years, the lack of inflation has been the enemy of central banks. And in fact, they are all using very low interest rates, using quantitative easing. They're trying to generate a little bit of inflation because I think Japan over the last 20 years is an example of an economy that has been characterized by falling prices. And that creates an incredibly negative dynamic. So, you know, in an ideal world, you would like to see an inflation rate of around 2%. Um, it, 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 it achieves a nice equilibrium and stability in an economy. Um, but in most countries at the moment, inflation is still well below that level. Yeah, so no, that will be a theme again in 2020, trying to generate some inflation. Yeah, now looking ahead to 2020, um, you mentioned Trump and China uh, and Trump indeed in general, but uh, rumblings or or talk that, you know, some agreement or heads of agreement or agreement in principle has has been achieved about a gradual agreement between the US and China and also more certainty on the Brexit front. Are those reasons to be cheerful for the economy? Yeah, they are reasons to be a little bit more cheerful. Um, my big health warning here was that in relation to Brexit and the trade issue, we are dealing with Boris Johnson and Donald Trump, two politicians that it's very difficult to be certain about how they will behave. Uh, but just starting on the Trump side of the equation, um, you know, you, you would assume that Trump, above all else, is a rational politician. Um, he faces a presidential election next November. Uh, he obviously wants to win that election. And um, notwithstanding the difficulties posed at the moment by impeachment, you know, I would be certain, well, I I couldn't say I'd be certain, but I'd be pretty sure that if Trump does stand next um, November, he will win the U.S. presidential election. But to do that, he will need to make sure that the U.S. economy is doing better. And the last thing in the world he would want in the run-up to that election is a significant slowdown in the U.S. and global economies caused by a trade dispute with China. So I think there's a huge political imperative and motivation for Trump to sort out his trade issues with China. And indeed, we are now starting to see that feed through. So that does give um, grounds for some optimism that this trade dispute that was so damaging to the world economy in 2019 will be less damaging in 2020. But I hasten to add again that we are dealing with a pretty unpredictable politician here yeah. Um, but assuming he's logical and rational, um, mm-hmm. I think he will try and sort this trade dispute. In relation to Brexit, um, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult to say with certainty what's going to happen at this stage because we don't really know what the real Boris Johnson looks like. Um, what we do know at this juncture is that his mantra has been and continues to be get Brexit done. So with an 80-seat majority, he is now in a very strong position to do that. Um, the legislation is the legislation on the withdrawal agreement is currently going through Parliament. He will get agreement on that sometime after Christmas. That will set Britain up to leave on the 31st of January next. So what happens then is that on the 1st of February, um, the UK side will sit across the table from the EU side to try and negotiate a future trading arrangement. And while those negotiations are going on, Britain's trade relationship with the European Union will remain as is. 
So in other words, while Britain will be out of the EU, it will continue to trade in the same way as it did when it was a member of the EU. And that transition period lasts until the 31st of December 2020. Um, and the problem here is that, number one, negotiating a trade deal in 11 months um, looks nigh on impossible. But secondly, and this is really the complicating factor, in the withdrawal bill, Boris has introduced a new piece of legislation ruling out the possibility of Britain applying for a two-year extension to that transition period. So we could be on the white knuckle ride again from uh, October I, I, next I, I, year. I think we will, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely think we will because um, I can see the logic in Boris doing that, but mm. he is doing it. He does not want to extend the transition period. Um, and if it is to be extended, he legally has to apply, get the application in by the 1st of July. So we learn a lot in the first six months of 2020. And of course, Jim, um, all about. likely to be sitting across from him or his minions would be a good Tullerone man, Phil Hogan, who's EU Trade Commissioner. He's really got a very powerful role. What would you be saying to him uh, he needs to watch out for to, to uh, maintain the interests of Europe and well, Ireland? I, I would say from a... Um, from a, a UK position, um, it is probably the greatest nightmare sitting across the table from Phil Hogan, um, because Phil is obviously a very formidable politician who is very highly regarded in Brussels. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, and I suppose most importantly, he represents a country that really was at the cutting edge of the whole Brexit negotiation process over the last three and a half years. Phil Hogan understands fully the issues at stake here for Ireland. But he also has a strong EU view. He knows exactly what the European Union needs to get out of this. So the one thing he does not want, he should not want to do, is to do a trade deal that would, number one, damage Ireland's interests and, you know, risk the whole border situation again. Secondly, he would need to make sure that whatever trade deal is done is in the best interests of the European Union and doesn't create a precedent for other countries to, you know, abscond from the EU and seek similar trading relationships with the European Union. So I, I think from Phil Hogan's perspective, there's going to be a very strong EU mandate here to make sure that the um, integrity of the U European Union and the single European market is maintained. Um, it, it, it's going to be difficult, there is no doubt about that, because... British interests will obviously be very, very different. But at the end of the day, it is in the best interest of the UK and the European Union um, that a trade deal is done that creates as little disruption as possible um, in a post-Brexit world. Well, look, fingers crossed, and thanks to you, Jim Power, uh, for that. Ought to be a fly on the wall when Phil Hogan meets Boris Johnson. Indeed, John. But anyway, thanks very much, Jim, and all the best to you and yours for Christmas and the New Year. Thank you very much. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. I think overall, John, has been a good year. Uh, obviously, we've had the backdrop of Brexit looming over us, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, I think that a lot of businesses in Kilkenny and nationally have been very resilient. Um, we're just speaking off air there and saying that one of the challenges for businesses next year is recruitment, which will be a good sign for hopefully good tidings ahead for businesses to grow and prosper next year as well. 
So it's neither too fra- frothy or too contracting. Pretty conservative budget as well. Not very many changes that impact on business, uh, good or ill. No, obviously the budget was framed in the context of uh, the Brexit negotiations still going on and the cliff edge of 21st of October this year. So we have a new cliff edge next year, but we'll wait, I suppose we'll wait to ne- see next year. Um, so from an employee perspective next year, they won't see much change in their tax um, uh, tax rates or tax after-tax pay uh, each year. Uh, from businesses, there was nothing overly positive in the budget, but that was really a good thing in a sense. There was nothing overly negative either. So as steady as you go as budget, and that's manifesting itself um, through business environment next year. I suppose a big change during the year on the nitty-gritty side of things was the changes in payroll in relation to revenue and how employers now have to report um, more or less in real time the payments they're making. Has that gone pretty smoothly in your view? It has, yeah. I think I think to be fair to revenue, there were probably some glitches at the start in in, in transitioning over. Um, but since then, it's been it's worked out it's worked out reasonably well. We've a dedicated payroll department here in the Neil Foley that has helped clients through that process. But overall, the feedback has been largely positive. And another one was the whole thing about beneficial ownership, where people were required to register that. That seemed to go pretty smoothly as well. Or is that a major change? Or what's that all part of? Um, that's all part of trans- greater transparency as regards ownership of companies. Um, we, along with other practitioners, had very difficult uh, uploading um, issues with the CRO um, and they weren't overly helpful at the time, which is disappointing. Um, but that's largely in place now and I think so, some companies may, may be a bit hardy in getting their data up to date, but that's towards a greater transparency of ownership and so on of companies, which will be part of um, the outlook going forward. And the, the issues you talked there, they were technical ones. It just shows in today's connected world how things can go pretty pear-shaped pretty quickly if your computer systems let you down, doesn't it? It does. We're very reliant now from banking, from revenue, from CRO, from you know all our data security uh, on, on the cloud or inf- how information is stored. And um, you know the next you know, threats for organisations was really maintaining their data, maintaining their network security. Um, and we've seen some spectacular failures during the year uh, on that or delays with, with that. So um, one of the challenges for businesses going forward will be to keep their data secure, to keep their infrastructure, their IT infrastructure intact and secure. Um, looking ahead then, what sectors do you see as going particularly well? You mentioned recruitment is a challenge for for businesses, which is a good sign for the economy. Which uh, business sectors do you see doing particularly well these days? Um, we see two sectors in particular, probably the financial services sector. Part of that is from uh, Dublin offices getting businesses from London as a result of Brexit or Brexit planning. Um, and that's created a probably an expensive payroll and rent in Dublin. And we're seeing some of the, some of the pushing out of that from Dublin, you know, with the announcement during the year of Cairn location to Kilkenny and obviously, you know, other financial services firms in Kilkenny expanding, which is great. Um, also, I think the tech sector is very much under under the radar in Ireland and Kilkenny generally, but there's a few companies in Kilkenny that are doing very well and that will come to the fore. And we've also seen, say, an announcement during the year for a US security company coming to Kilkenny. Um, so the fact that they they have confidence in Kilkenny and the people of Kilkenny to deliver that service for them is great. Yeah, and uh, next week at the Careers Kilkenny event, over 600 jobs to be filled in Kilkenny at the moment. That's a, a huge number of jobs and a very good sign for the local economy. It's fantastic news, yeah. So that, that 
that, that type of development is great confidence boost for Kilkenny. It's a great sign of confidence in Kilkenny. Um, also, next year and subsequent years, we're going to see the development of the brewery quarter, which will you know add to the, the office stock and so on of Kilkenny. So it'll, it'll, it'll make us more able to um, expand what Kilkenny has to, you know, to offer employers, employees, a lifestyle in Kilkenny and a very attractive lifestyle as that, um, which hopefully will, will get people out of Dublin and into this region. And that'll allow Kilkenny, say, to expand its offerings for third level, for hospitals, um, for the bus network which just started so um, you know it'll, if we get more people living here it's a very nice place to live we should be all, we're all very proud of living here and um, it'll help uh, the, the city grow Yeah we mentioned uh, the B word Brexit uh, a couple of times and one sector that we seem to be hearing quite a, has had a tough enough year st- still very healthy but the tourism sector would you be worried about tourism and you know you mentioned a possible cliff edge Brexit this time next year how do you feel about tourism? Tourism is it's it's a tough industry. Um, obviously they've they've had the the VAT rate go back up to thirteen and a half percent, which which was a bit of a dent for them to say the least. Um, but it's proven very resilient. Uh, it's very it's very cyclical on where the markets are. So the U.S. market with the dollar being very strong has encouraged a lot of tourists to Kilkenny from the or and to Ireland uh, from America. Uh, Sterling obviously been very soft during the year, so I'm sure that the figures will show that UK visitors have dropped. But with Sterling having appreciated in the last few months, if that trend continues next year, we'll hopefully see more Sterling visitors or UK visitors rather coming to Ireland. Um, all we can do is continue to offering competitive prices um, for a quality product uh, in Ireland and uh, certainly tourism in Kilkenny, which, you know, events like the Cat Laughs Comedy Festival, Mount Julie coming to, or the Golf Irish Open coming to, next to, or to Kilkenny rather next year, they're all positive things. So it's really to build on what we have. We have great hotel stock and restaurant stock in Kenny. We're probably unique in Ireland for the quality that we have. Um, and hopefully that will morph into more visitors coming next year. At uh, this time of the year, people's thoughts over Christmas tend to turn to New Year's resolutions, stop smoking, more exercise and so on. From a business point of view, what kind of resolutions do you think businesses should be uh, setting for next year to have you know, good discipline and good healthy practices? Um, but one I touched on earlier will be you know maintaining their own infrastructure for IT infrastructure and the data security around that. That that's that's a major ongoing um, threat that has to be minded. Um, cost control, finance control, working capital management, um, maybe getting less exposure to the UK enterprise Ireland and so on, and being good with local business in 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 the system sourcing new markets. Um, we don't know how Brexit is going to fall out, but it will happen at some stage. So co- uh, companies and businesses need to prepare for some difficulties in trading with the UK going forward and therefore to try and identify other markets. Uh, Over the years, retailing has been very uh, challenged, but this year I've sensed um, an increasing uh, local awareness of the importance of supporting local business. Have you seen any signs of a bit of a bounce back in retail at all? I have. I was down High Street there the last few Saturdays and it did strike me that there was uh, maybe more people around. And obviously that's a function of Christmas and so on. But I think people, if you think, take bookshops, for example, um, people like talking to people, you know, getting a, getting a recommendation um, uh, from, from uh, shops and shop assistants and so on. So there is definitely the personal touch is still there. And probably the challenge for, for retail outlets is to, is, is to continue to show that personal touch because that's one thing that Amazon won't be able to deliver um, and the likes, whatever. So it, it, it is, it's, I, I don't envy retailers now. It's a very difficult market, uh, particularly when you have rates and so on on top of that as well. Um, but for, for businesses that are able to survive, they'll survive by using the personal touch 
and um, encouraging people to shop locally and shop shop in, in retail centres and so on. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie Brian O'Farrell, we've heard there from Jim Power about his view of 2019 and, and the global uncertainty and the, the negative weights from the lack of inflation, trade uncertainty. How's the last year been for business in Carlo? Um, I think it's been good in certain areas, but there also has been challenges because of mainly because of the uncertainty. Um, people have been unsure about what direction Brexit was going to take, uh, what sort of sh- uh, shape it was going to come in. Um, but I think you know we've been working around it to look at other avenues. Mm. Um, and at the end of the day, until those issues have been sorted, and I think the election last week will offer a certain amount of clarity. But still, we're still quite a bit away from. Um, fully understanding what it's going to deliver. But while they may all bicker in Brussels and Westminster, business has to go on and the focus at Chambers is continuing in business. People love networking, but Carlo Chamber over the last year has developed uh, networking to a new level through your Chamber uh, Trade Connections. Tell us a bit about that programme. You've been really working very hard on it. Yeah, no, Chamber Trade Connections was established uh, just over two years ago um, and it has it's been really focused, I suppose it was developed as a response to Brexit because we said, how can people prepare properly for something that you don't know what you're preparing for? So we said, we want to help businesses to um, diversify their risk and expand into new markets. Um, and it was basically uh, looking at meeting existing and new trade partners. Um, so we've arranged a number of visits. Um, this year, we welcomed Ambassador Dika Potzel from the German embassy. And she came down uh, visited a number of companies, including Autolange, Catering Innovation Agency, and Burnside uh, Group as well. You know, when when you look back at the history of Burnside, forty odd years in Carlow, employing a thousand people, mm. um, and then the day concluded with a seminar discussing opportunities for trade and development um, with Germany. And a first, um, I think, in the past year, uh, you're developing those connections, but you partnered with Kilkenny Chamber uh, to organise an event uh, with the ambassador from the United Arab Emirates. That's a breakthrough and kind of maybe points the way forward for more broader regional connections and cooperation among chambers. Exactly, And and it's something that's always been very important across chambers. And we've always met as chambers in uh, the southeast region and discussed things but I suppose a lot of the time you know people wouldn't know we're meeting unless you're in on the board level and different things so we felt it was important to try and look at different ways and with the visit of the United Arab Emirates ambassador uh, we came down we visited companies in Carlow and Kilkenny because we wanted to show that there is a strong focus in the region and people need to look at it as a region for the strengths of what we have to offer and um, the wide range of services you know from financial here in Kilkenny is very strong to Carlo with um, our precision engineering education so there's a lot of different sectors we've got so many great assets in the southeast and people need to think outside of Dublin outside of Cork outside of Limerick and realize that you know what the southeast has everything and there's also the Southeast Development Office, which has really been working hard to promote the Southeast yeah. as a destination for companies and also as a place for people to relocate to because there is skilled jobs here 
and we have uh, we want more skilled workforces here. And you mentioned precision engineering, uh, and you mentioned Burnside. Paddy Byrne uh, published his his life story uh, during the year, and I was delighted to be associated with that. But Lily Holmes, his daughter, uh, was nominated the second year in a row that a Carlo woman was nominated for the Ernst and Young Entrepreneur of the Year. Great, you know, it just shows Carlo business really operating at the highest levels. We, we always talk about it and, um, you know, you'd hear us so often, Carlo punching above its weight. Um, and we have uh, continuously. And But Burnside, it is a prime example um, of a company that's doing that. And uh, I was at the launch of Paddy's book and the Arboretum packed out um, and what a response to it. And it's very interesting when you can look back and see the stories and it's how... It, uh, the business grew from such a simple uh, process and where it is today and the great um, employment that is across the um, Carlo. And um, one of the things Paddy is very strong on in the book is the kind of university of life. You don't need to um, just leave school and go to third level college. It, practical skills and apprenticeships and working with your hands and making stuff still is a big place. We hear a lot about the, the skills deficit. Where do you see the whole apprenticeship um, thing, particularly given Carlo's huge tradition of, of you know precision engineering and we have a lot of companies in the area like there's, that? There's been a big growth in uh, apprenticeships and there's a wide variety of apprenticeships out there. Um, I know uh, Edmund Connolly, I was talking to him during the week and I know I think he was on uh, talking to Emer as well one day. Uh, you know they've got a geo-drilling apprenticeship coming in to IT Carlo um, there's a lot of information we've shared as well in relation to retail apprenticeships and it's one thing people you know need to look back and remember that you know college is not the only route um, and it, there's a lot of focus sometimes on people oh, my little Johnny or my CEO Mary has gone to college that, yeah. but you know what We've seen so many companies in Carlow and Kilkenny even that have been developed through people who've come through apprenticeship routes. And these companies, they've started out and they've grown to be huge employers in that um, in the region. And there's a, a lot of value that has to be placed in the apprenticeships and the skills and, and how more we can do uh, yeah. in that area. Looking ahead to 2020, a couple of um, interesting things. Carlow Town, of course, there's the Avison Young plan. That's in the works. Um, you know, there's a plan and permission for the IDA advanced facility, the Penny site. Interesting times ahead. It is, and, um, you know, it's very much we want to move forward and continue to move forward. It's great to see the IDA development has been kind of uh, holding back there for a couple of years. So hopefully get that planning through and um, get it in there because it will make a big difference into the town. I know there's other sites that we'd love to see move, like the old bronze site and things like that as well. Um, the Avison Young plan is, is focused on a number of key areas, but it's key that the county council have got plans ready for projects so that we can, when the funding opportunities are there, we can go straight forward with them and get the funding and hopefully move things on um, because it will give Carlo the edge and continue to, to make it stronger. Political um, uncertainty uh, was a huge uh, weight, particularly on retail. I think you know consumer co- confidence was very low when in in September October when it looked like a crash out Brexit was on the cards. Pretty important that that the political scene gets itself together. And we're looking into an election next year. What would you be saying to politicians from a business point of view? I'd be well. I'd be saying that they need to get out and get a better understanding of business. Um, I think it's one of the key things. And I was at um, a seminar during the year 
up in the Aviva Stadium and it was talking about skills and talking of business and Heather Humphreys was there. And one of the key messages that she actually took away from it was that she should nearly go back and get people in her department and different departments out to do work experience in businesses to actually have a better understanding of the needs and requirements of businesses and what actually goes on because it's so important. And the driver for business in Dublin, where government is based, is largely the Facebooks, the Googles, the financial services, whereas outside it's engineering, it's tourism, it's a lot more gritty stuff, it, it, oftentimes. It, That's it, my perception. It, 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 no, it, and it's fairly true as well, but we do have a lot of, I suppose, growth technology companies outside of Dublin, but yeah, they can be removed from reality at times up there um, and that's why it's so important and you know if there's a, other key things I'd be saying to people is it's not just about voting party it's about voting for the right people to do the job um, and, and that's where we can make a big difference as well Okay um, so are you looking ahead to 2020 with optimism Brian? I think we are I think uh, you know hopefully uh, the cloud that's been hanging over the Brexit scenario will get a bit more stable and give us a bit more direction. I think there's a lot of opportunities out there and it's just to continue to capitalise on them. And uh, I know that we've got a lot of great companies right across Carlow and Kilkenny in the southeast region and we look forward to working with them wherever possible. If there was a piece of advice I would say to them is engage and continue to engage because it's not just with your local chamber or local enterprise office. You know, you, you, the opportunities are there but if you don't get out and engage and um, put your side of make make your elevator pitch, well then you're not going to get heard, and you can capitalise on those opportunities by doing that. The bottom line on KCLR with John Purcell, brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. That's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line and indeed on The Bottom Line for 2019. We'll be back on Saturday, January 9th, 2020. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, thanks to all the guests this week and indeed thanks to all the guests since the programme started last July. You can listen back to any of the shows by subscribing to The Bottom Line KCLR on any podcast channel. So there's something for you to do in the lazy Christmas days between now in early January. Thank you for listening to the programme and thank you especially to John Keane, the ever patient sound editor behind the scenes and to Deirdre Drummy for her skills as a producer, her patience and her good humour. Until January 2020, have yourself a lovely Christmas and wishing you peace, joy and every blessing for the new year. Until we speak again this is me, John Purcell, wishing you all the best talk again. KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie